Stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome to Administrative Static. Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchioni here, and we are joined by our NCLA colleague, Litigation Counsel, Shang Li. Shang, welcome back to Administrative Static. Thank you, Mark. We have invited uh, Shang on uh, the program. He's going to be with us for two segments uh, this morning. Uh, But first, we wanted to begin with a case in which NCLA uh, filed an amicus brief, and the decision came down this week. Uh, The case is uh, Allstate's Refractory Contractors v. Walsh. And the issue in this case was whether or not the uh, Occupational Occupational Safety and Health Act is uh, unlawful, is uh, unconstitutional under the non-delegation doctrine. And interestingly, I mean, this is a statute that's been around for, what, almost 50 years, uh, something like that. And interestingly, this was not a unanimous decision. Uh, the, the court did uphold the statute, uh, but there was a very interesting uh, dissent uh, in the case. And so, uh, Shang, maybe we'll, let's start by backing up a little bit and having you tell our listeners uh, why, why does all states refractory contractors think that the OSHA Act is unconstitutional? Yeah, so they actually changed the uh, the defendant from Walsh to Sue because Secretary Walsh had resigned a few months ago, and, and there's an acting secretary, Sue, now. So they, they changed that right before they issued the decision. Oh, okay. Um, but in any event, uh, the, the, the plaintiff's, plaintiff's appellant in this case um, was attacking the OSH Act, which, which says, uh, in pertinent part, that the Secretary of Labor has the authority to promulgate what are called uh, health and safety standards. And what are these health and safety standards? They are any standard that the secretary believes are reasonably necessary or appropriate to provide for safe or healthful employment and places of employment. So the, the, the key words here are reasonably necessary, appropriate, and what does that mean? Um, and, and as many what listeners know, right, and so it's, as many listeners know, Congress is supposed to write all our laws under the Constitution. And it's not supposed to delegate its legislative powers to the executive branch, like, like the Secretary of Labor. Um, the problem, you know, the, the Supreme Court has interpreted that rule pretty loosely under what's called the intelligible principle test uh, to allow a, a substantial amount of kind of legislative delegation. And this, under that te- test, uh, any time Congress is allowed to delegate uh, legislative power, um, as long as it provides some sort of intelligible principle for the agency to follow. Um, and, and here, all, all state refractory says, well, sure, but even under that test, uh, reasonably necessary or appropriate is not an intelligible principle. It basically means, Secretary of Labor, go do whatever you think is literally appropriate. Right. So, uh, and that's what the secretary has been doing for uh, these last several decades. Why does the government say that that's enough, that that's 
that's okay. Or maybe more, <laughs> maybe more to the point now that we have the decision out, uh, why did the majority in the Sixth Circuit say that that's enough for, uh, for the statute uh, to say? This would be Judge Griffin on the Sixth Circuit who issued the majority decision joined by Judge Cook. Well, I mean, really, the uh, uh, as a practical matter, I think it lar- largely it's because this intelligible principle test has just not been applied uh, rigorously by the Supreme Court, and under uh, under that precedent, it leaves a lot of room for the for the uh, sorry, it leaves a lot of room for uh, the the, the, the agency to to yeah. have discretion. Uh, and and Griffin, uh, Judge Griffin, interpreted that and said, well, well, here, you know, you really need some sort of, you know, safety risk to begin with, and 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 so that that itself is is sort of a maybe a a, 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 a necessary standard, and then uh, the agency can't just do what they want because those uh, it has to make these findings of of you know the existence of a safety risk. Um, but, but Judge Nalbadian's dissent kind of put that put that argument to rest and says there's actually no formal um, fact-finding requirement before we, here. Before we jump to the Nalbadian oh, dissent, I, I just wanted to stick with with the majority for a second uh, because this is I mean this is this the standard view that we get from circuit courts on non-delegation decisions all the time, right? They they always just say, ah, eh, you know, there's a little bit of guidance here and a little bit of guidance uh, is enough, and that's um, there's a reason why, uh, and, and I guess I'll give credit here to, to Jones Day and Brett Shoemate at Jones Jones Day, uh, who who argued this case. There's a reason why they're picking on the Occupational Safety and Health Act as the the way to try to potentially strengthen the non-delegation doctrine, and that's just you know for the reasons that Shang was saying. Shang, you were saying that there there really is just quite a bit of latitude here, not only to promulgate uh, the safety standards, but even to decide in what areas safety standards need to be promulgated. Yeah, that, just, that's right. There's just not a lot that Congress has taken off the table, I guess you could say, in this statute. And, and now let's or, go ahead. Or, and the, and go the ahead. courts even too. And, and, and on, on this point, there was actually in the 90s, a DC circuit decision um, that said, hey, this does look like a uh, an unconstitutional delegation of power. And what the agency did then is set up its own kind of six factors of limitation and said, well, we're going to follow these six limits. Uh, and that, that, that's an intelligible principle. Um, but that, that, so that, that was in the 1990s before the Supreme Court later said agencies can't set guidelines for themselves. Right. It has to be Congress that, that, uh, that puts the parameters on, on the law. The agency can't sort of uh, self-contain uh, that way, or at least if they, I mean, they should self-contain that way, but that's not going to keep the statute from getting set aside as, uh, exactly, because an agency can always undo its own limits. Yeah. So what did uh, let's get? You were starting to talk about Judge Nalbandian and and what he had to say uh, in, in, in dissent. <laughs> that that's right. I mean, he he looked at this the this lesson. Well, the, the majority seems to think that the word appropriate uh, leaves some you know sets some standard, but he says, well, the the, the OSH Act uh, in no way defines what appropriate is. So what does appropriate really mean? And just looking at the dictionary definition, uh, appropriate really just means whatever the secretary thinks is appropriate. It, it becomes a kind of a circular definition, and it just leaves to the secretary's judgment as to um, you know, how and where and when 
he can set these standards. And and in, in especially in today when when places of employment, what does that term even mean? Uh, because places of employment, as you know, Mark, I work from home. My place of employment is my home office. Uh, and he makes his point like. Under this definition, the secretary hasn't done it, but under this definition, the secretary could basically regulate whatever he thinks is appropriate in any place of employment, including people's homes. And really, uh, that that's not that doesn't provide an intelligible limiting principle, and uh, and certainly uh, leaves the secretary with essentially unfettered discretion. And, and and that you know if even if even if you take the laxest you know, definition of the intelligible principle test and the, the non-delegation doctrine, that test has to mean something. And, and this seems to... It absolutely does. And, and even before he gets to the appropriate question, he says that, that OSHA's uh, provisions do not require any preliminary fact-finding or any particular situation to arise to trigger uh, agency action. So you, you already have, essentially, the statute just says, here is a, uh, here is a field of potential regulation and we're barely defining the scope of the field, so workplace, uh, and now go to it in terms of safety regulations. And that, that really is a very, very broad delegation. In fact, it's so broad that even President Obama's head of, the, uh, of OIRA, uh, Professor Cass Sunstein uh, of, of Harvard Law School, wrote an article saying that this might <laughs> yeah, be right. the one statute that, that you know, could could be deemed to violate the non-delegation doctrine. And that's, now Bandian quoted that. Uh, and uh, I think, yeah. And, yeah, and Professor Sunstein's solution to that was, well, we will just read into the statute a, a risk, a cost-benefit um, kind of calculation that, that the HC, and that's the intelligible principle, is cost-benefit calculation. Uh, but this, you know, the statute says nothing of the sort, just as appropriate. Uh, so that's, that's, you know, you can't read that into it. Uh, and there's also this 1980 uh, benzene case, which involved a different part of the OSH Act regarding um, like basically harmful emissions and harmful chemicals uh, in the workplace. And there, the uh, the statute actually provided a little more, a little put a little more guidance and required uh, you know OSHA to to, de to determine there's a significant risk of material health impairment. I mean, what does that mean? The the, the Supreme Court there had a real hard problem. With that too, and was close. I think to uh, uh, actually it was a split decision with no clear majority, but but there was a close to finding that to be um, an improper and overly vague delegation. Uh, but if, but if that was on the line, uh, then I think un, un, you know under Nalbadian's reasoning, then certainly anything that's necessary or appropriate uh, would be you know far on the other side of the of the line of what's a permissible delegation. Yeah, that's that's right. And so uh, so Judge Nalbandian concludes by by saying, you know, looking at all these provisions, I would find OSHA's permanent standards provision unconstitutional because the absence of standards here makes it impossible to ascertain whether the will of Congress has been obeyed. And he's citing a 1940s a Supreme Court decision in a case called Yakis. Uh, how can we test what is appropriate given the broad field of delegated power? The simple answer, we can't. That's because Congress has not made clear whether any boundaries of authority exist. And he, then he cites Gundy, or the recent Supreme Court decision on non-delegation. Because Congress failed to provide the secretary with standards guiding its actions such that a court could ascertain whether the will of Congress has been obeyed, I would hold that a delegation of legislative authority trenching on the principle of separation of powers has, uh, has occurred. So, you know, I think that's a very powerful dissent. We'll see if, if it gets the Supreme Court's attention. And 
Shang, we appreciate you being with us. Thank you, Mark. Welcome back to Administrative Static, and Sheng still with us to discuss one of our uh, cases that the government wants to get rid of, Vanderstelt v. Biden. And, uh, well, the government has moved to dismiss um, this case. Uh, and, of course, Sheng, before dismissing it, the government has admitted fault and said that it was wrong, and therefore there's no reason now that, now that it has... Uh, has admitted that it was wrong. It would and, never dream of doing and this would, again. would never do this again. And that's why they're trying to dismiss it? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> just uh, as a little background, this case is uh, one of the vaccine mandates that came out back in 2021. And, and listeners remember there were uh, a slew of them. Uh, the, the biggest one involved OSHA, actually, and was struck down by the Supreme Court. But there were others. <laughs> including this one, which is uh, which was uh, uh, for all federal contractors, which make up about 20% of the workforce. And we filed a lawsuit along with a number of other uh, states sued, and the contractor mandate was soon enjoined nationwide and preliminarily. And several courts of appeal have upheld those injunctions, including the fifth, the sixth, and the 11th, but the Ninth Circuit went the other way and said, uh, this mandate is totally fine. It falls within the, the president's power. So our case was stayed during all those injunctions. It's been, the stay has been lifted, and the government has now said, well, uh, now that the, the government in May 2023, um, the president, after, after uh, enacting the mandate through an executive order, withdrew the mandate through a new executive order after all these court losses, and said, well, now the case is moot because the challenge mandate is, is gone. Uh, the problem is, as he says that, he's insisting it was lawful and proper and good policy all along. And, and for that reason, um, this, how long did it take him to issue an executive order? Uh, I imagine the time it takes to type up, uh, you know, <laughs> page and a half document like 30 minutes or so maybe exactly so tomorrow he could just go ahead and issue another executive order saying you know what i think this is good policy um and and we're doing it again and our case would be dismissed and the issue would not have been met by the courts right that's right and this is this is the concept of mootness and uh and an exception to mootness is what's called the voluntary cessation doctrine which says that the defendant voluntarily stops the you know the unlawful act during a case, uh, you know that case isn't moot uh, because the de- if the defendant can just restart the unlawful conduct um, at at his, his own whim. Now courts have said you know when the government enacts a new law, for instance, um, 
then that might moot the case because it's really hard to undo a law or a regulation. But when it's an executive order, it literally is a stroke of a pen. He just needs to sign a new executive order saying the mandate is back. And all the government agencies would have to follow that executive order. So, so That's right. And, and obviously, um, the government would like this to go away without any precedent. And um, and they've had some success with this before. Um, and in this case, it's particularly bad because there do there do seem to be some rumblings about COVID out there right now. Um, I've I've yeah. seen I've seen certain private entities go to masks and and um, you know it it strikes me that COVID's endemic now, but that if if it was to a political or other advantage. Um, of course, the president could sign another executive order, and it then we'd be at square one. And I think part of this um, capable of repetition idea that the courts um, have have created uh, to avoid mootness is that look, we we filed this thing when we filed it last year. You know, we we filed a, a while ago, and there and it's been stayed. But there's been a lot of time, and our and our um, clients have 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 been, um, you know, involved in this case for quite a while, and then then have the government just say, oh, oh, sorry about that. Um, but now you not only are were you subject to this, not only did this um, cause you all kinds of of angst and upset and all the rest of it, but job loss and job loss. But, yeah. but not only all that, but um, now we're not going to determine this so that we can do this to you again. And that yeah. is really outrageous, it seems to me. Yeah, and, and the key to this issue is what, you know, the, how likely is it the government supposed to, to, to prove mootness? You're supposed to show that it's absolutely clear that the challenge mandate uh, doesn't have a, you know, a, any reasonable expectation of, of returning. Uh, and, and when the government is vigorously defending its the legality and wisdom of that policy, then you think, well, they're trying to they're trying to keep that policy. They might not be implementing it now, but they're certainly keeping it in its back pocket. Uh, and, and in fact, the government's justification suggests that's the same. That's exactly what's happening because the president said, "I'm withdrawing the contractor mandate uh, because COVID is pretty good right now." In, in this was May 2023. You know, we, we have low hospitalization rates. Um, and a lot of people are vaccinated, uh, but now that's that's you know less so. We, we're you know we're facing kind of a summer surge of a new variant that that appears to get through vaccines, um, and we've we you know we've all seen this before in the last three years where uh, we have a lull and things look good, and then suddenly there's a surge and a, a breakthrough variant comes along, uh, and so it, it is going to be this you know cyclical thing. And, and for the president, just the president can't guarantee COVID's going to be gone or COVID's always going to be under control. Uh, and, and if he says his, this mandate is contingent on, I guess, COVID conditions and the COVID conditions are unpredictable, then he can't guarantee that the mandate can't come back unless unless he goes out and says under no circumstances, why, you know, why reimpose this mandate because it's unlawful. If he says that, that, that that's a whole, you know, that would be a whole different situation. And in fact, I think you, you had in the brief, we had in the brief, I should say, but you wrote it, <laughs> um, that you, you showed comparable rates of COVID. That's at right. other times when this when this um, uh, pandemic was going on to what we have now. So if it was based on science or some sort of or some sort of metric, 
it we're at a metric where he had this emergency um, uh, executive order uh, requirement in place with some of the same metrics we have now. Yeah, the the hospitalization rate this last week is about twelve thousand. It was about ten thousand in April twenty twenty two when Dr. Fauci said the pandemic's over. You had to take that back because it was a spike later, but he did say that. Uh, and at that time, when the, when the hospitalization rate was at ten thousand, the the government you was rate. You mean the number of admissions per week to per hospitals? week? Yeah, the rate the yes. rate at which people were being hospitalized for COVID. Uh, the weekly rate was about ten thousand in April twenty twenty two. When the government was arguing before the 11th Circuit in a different uh, contractor mandate case that they really need to enforce this. So if they really needed to enforce it uh, when the hospitalization rate was at 10,000, you know, what's to stop them from, from finding the same kind of need when it's 12,000? Exactly. And, and I think this does show um, how arbitrary uh, this original executive order was um, and maybe – the product of 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 panic and certainly not anything that cared what the law said they said well let we we have the power to do this because we say we have the power to do this and so they went ahead and implemented it and it strikes me that that same impetus could happen at any time um so what what's the government's counter argument the government's counter argument is is essentially that there's no realistic chance that uh covid makes um, a comeback such that uh, such that this will happen because the, the progress has been so vast. Uh, again, I think that's not you know we can't say that for sure. I'd like that to be true certainly. Um, and the government's also saying that this voluntary cessation doctrine really only applies when there's some kind of bad faith going on. When you have a defendant who oh who who does something unlawful gets sued, and then as a way of as a strategic move in litigation. Um, you know, stops his conduct, moots the case just so that he can redo it again. It's, there's some bad faith, you know, gamesmanship going on. But the, the, the you know, we're we're in the Sixth Circuit, we're in Michigan. Uh, but the Sixth Circuit case law and the Supreme Court case law don't require bad faith. Uh, you know, in in the in they just require, you know, is there a possibility that the government will will do this? There's a Sixth Circuit case out there, Barrios Garcia, uh, where. Uh, uh, the, 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 these immigrants sued to, to for the for the DHS to implement a visa process, uh, and the DHS during the time implemented the visa process and and said, hey, now you got your visa process, you, your case is moot. Uh, but the Sixth Circuit said, not so fast. A new administration can come in and reverse it. Uh, and so that's the same thing we're dealing with here. Uh, here, uh, the same president or his successor uh, could suddenly decide that a contractor mandate. You know, it's, it's now needed again because they have, you know, maybe they have different thresholds of risk or the, the situation on the ground regarding COVID changes that those, you know, they can't guarantee that can't happen. Uh, and so based on that, I think, you know, we think the case is not moot. And you know what else bothers me about that is how are we supposed to show the government's acting in bad faith? I mean, I think it is at least mild bad faith that they're not admis- admitting error, right? So they're saying, yeah, we were all fine the whole time. But, but you know, we've got a lot of blowback and we've lost a few <laughs> injunction cases. So we're going we're gonna to pull it. Um, I don't know if that's like the bad faith of a company that's going to go back to do the same thing to somebody. It's, it's, it's maybe not that. But it, it, it doesn't strike me as good faith. 
it is it doesn't strike me at that there's any comfort level that can be gotten and the other problem is the courts always assume the government acts in good faith so with that assumption yeah, that, 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 and no discovery <laughs> how can you do anything well, it right. certainly doesn't it, give you warm fuzzies that the that the government is uh, uh, is voluntarily withdrawing this with the idea of never reinstituting it. Yeah, and so I I think um, I I hope that the court will reach a decision, but there's always this uh, idea that courts want to avoid making decisions, and I hope that doesn't happen this time. But thanks for being on, Shang, and we'll follow uh, the outcome. Thank you, John. Take care.